It is 7.33, and this is a podcast from Rabble about uh, refugee policies in Canada right now. Canada's immigration and refugee policy changed significantly over the years of the Harper government. It became harder for refugees to get to Canada and harder for them to get accepted once they were here. Now, the anti-Muslim policies of the new Trump administration are throwing a spotlight on how Canada treats refugee claimants, both at home and abroad. Zul Suleiman is an immigration lawyer in Vancouver, and he joins me in the studio this morning. Hello, Zul. Hello. Let's look, first of all, at some of the policies that the Trudeau government inherited. We've heard a lot about the Safe Third Country Agreement recently. What is that? Well, the Safe Third Country Agreement is um, an agreement where both Canada and the United States agree that if a refugee first comes to, say, Canada and wants to go to America, America would send them back and say, make a refugee claim in Canada, and vice versa. If you touch American soil first, you're supposed to make a refugee claim in America. If you come to the Canadian border post, um, you would be sent back. Uh, to America to make a refugee claim, with very minor exceptions. If you have very close family in Canada, you can be uh, admitted to Canada. And what effect has it had over the years that it's been in place? It's been in place quite a few years now. Certainly. I mean, post 9-11, it came into effect. And and one of the the things you notice uh, about it is, and there have been studies done on this, is that largely it's been detrimental for refugees who first touched American soil. Uh, America's interpretation of the uh, Refugee Convention in many ways tends to be narrower. The due process rights are less, the right to a lawyer, there's more detention. Um, And so there are real issues about the quality of the refugee claim in America. So what's been found in the studies is that those individuals who made claims in America, who could have made the claims in Canada, generally did worse in America. We've also, of course, seen a diminishment of refugees coming to the border because of the Safe Third Country Agreement. And by this, I mean the land border. Most people have been, once they touch America, stay in America. Um, so Canada's had fewer refugees coming in. And the the background on it seems to be that Canada wanted this agreement when it was actually um, made much more than America did. And I think it was a, a part of a management strategy to keep refugees intake in Canada lower. And this was with the previous governments. So it was a Canadian initiative, an initiative of the Harper government? Well, to the Americans, uh, they were happy if refugees were fleeing north. Uh, they didn't have to process them or look after them. And we used to get uh, more than our share. So this was, I think, more of a, uh, a situation of Canada managing it. Uh, and, and to be fair to uh, both governments, uh, of both stripes, conservative and liberal, never changed it, never had a desire to change it. Um, but now we're seeing the repercussions of that agreement. So why are asking? Why are people asking for it to be repealed now? Okay. So what's happened, the fundamental change or the big argument being made now is that refugees cannot get a, a fair hearing in America, that this government has signaled, first of all, its uh, opposition or its negative views of Muslims and people from Muslim-majority countries. It's also signaled its own view of LGTB rights uh, and other things. So there's a sense now that you cannot get a fair refugee hearing in America. Um, And so that's what's precipitating a lot of the movement north now is the Trump government, the executive orders, the clear signaling by the the executive uh, of of America uh, of how they, what they perceive to be true refugees. 
And is the safe third country agreement the reason we see people crossing unguarded areas, at, often at great personal risk in the in the cold weather, etc.? Exactly, because the problem is if you fly into Canada and you touch Canadian soil, you can make a claim right away. But uh, but if you come to a border station, and, and effectively we only have a land border with, with America, um, then you can be sent back. So people are circumventing the land border stations by going to unguarded or open territory. And so one of the effects of the Safe Third Country Agreement and what advocates are saying is that we're imperiling refugees because they're trying to circumvent uh, border stations and going through territory that's dangerous for them, their children, others. And uh, in fact, the Safe Third Country Agreement is making it harder for refugees uh, to seek true justice. It seems so illogical that you could cross an unguarded area and be considered to have landed on Canadian soil first. I mean, it's just a just a strange kind of side effect. It is. A, I mean, you know, people say to me, well, what's legal and what's illegal? So is, is the entry illegal? Broadly speaking, yes. But the moment you're actually arrested... Uh, you're legal, oddly enough, because then you're in the system, you're being, then you make a refugee claim, and you're allowed to make a refugee claim. So these notions of uh, legality, illegality, due process, uh, these all get challenged by the Safe Third Country Agreement. And that's why I think the listening public should really just step back a bit and not let the dominant media frames take over uh, with these images of quote-unquote illegal people entering the country. Um, these people are actually uh, being... Uh, taken into custody uh, by the RCMP or local police. They're being documented. Uh, there are safeguards. If if we don't know who the individuals are, they can be detained. So th the normal process takes over. It's no different than if you arrived at an airport after a certain point. Except for that uh, that physical danger that people are going through. I mean, I know there were some people who crossed in the Midwest and they lost uh, fingers from frostbite. Exactly. I mean, and, and the only analogy to that would be sometimes you see people getting smuggled into the country through boats and, of course, through airplanes. And even in those circumstances, there can be loss of life and, and um, you know, health issues. So the, the larger issue that's being opened up, I think, that the Safe Third Country is highlighting is what are our borders doing? While we want to, uh, or there seems to be consensus if this kind of we need borders, we have states, uh, we, we maintain law um, and, and have a certain um, sense of uh, processes. Um, what about all these people who are trying to gain a better life or being persecuted, uh, who want safety? We, we espouse it as one of our national values, as one of our core values, and yet every day we're putting people in danger. And that's why advocates have been saying we should perhaps suspend the safe third country agreement. Uh, but of course, that's not without political consequence. And I think that's what we're going to start to see play out over the next few months is what is the pressure like and will Canada uh, make a choice to suspend? Another piece of legislation that's been, uh, that was uh, brought in by the Harper government is the designated safe country list. What effect does that have or has that had? Well, so that's a different interplay. The previous government liked to villainize, in my view, refugees, and there was a sense that you're coming from a safe country, and therefore you shouldn't even be here. So they instituted these designated uh, country lists, and if you came from one of these quote-unquote safe countries, uh, you were pushed through the system faster, your appeal rights were less, uh, your recourse to the system was less, and the idea was to essentially send out a message that if you come from one of these countries, you're going to be pushed through the system very quickly. 
And of course, then there were countries that we acknowledge uh, produce uh, refugees, and they have uh, a more fulsome uh, refugee process. When you put these two together, what you start to see in terms of the safe third country agreement and the lists is that um, refugees don't care. They, they they generally just want to flee to where they think they will get the best, fairest hearing. So these refugees, I don't think at all, are, are concerned about whether they're on the list or not. Um, they want to come here. Um, the other thing is that the distinction between the designated countries and the non-designated countries is breaking down. Our federal court is starting to rule that the designated country process has problems. It's inherently less fair. They should have similar appeal rights. So even this list is starting to to break down, um, and we'll just have to see where, where it goes. Following President Trump's Muslim ban, Justin Trudeau tweeted that Canada welcomed people fleeing war and persecution. Now, is that true? Well, I, I think it's true if you're uh, the Liberal Prime Minister of Canada and you're branding this country. Uh, but if you asked uh, refugee claimants uh, or you asked uh, refugee advocates, it certainly isn't. The first thing I heard from people after that tweet was, great, Canada's going to take all the refugees that are coming from everywhere in the world. And that is absolutely not true. Um, I think it was a feel-good tweet uh, without much um, engagement on the ground in terms of changing the, the system. Um, but I think he was sending out a message, which is that we are going to go the route that we currently have, and we're not going to change uh, our approach. And so that's kind of where we are at the moment. We're in the middle, I think, of a very decisive, um, I wouldn't say decisive, but a, a period where there's a lot of flux. And uh, as the weather gets warmer, if uh, the corralling and arresting of migrants in America goes forward, as, this, as the American government is indicating, we might see a larger influx of migration up north. And then I think the prime minister is going to have to figure out what his tweet means. Right now, I think he's sent it out. But the true test of his tweet, we will see over the next few weeks. What has the, the Canadian government's um, attitude been towards refugees? In what sense is it welcoming to refugees who are not in Canada? Well, um, there's two sides uh, to how the government presents itself. On the one hand, I think there's this issue of the Syrian refugees. Uh, and if anything comes up, that's the example that's held up that, that we're bringing these Syrian refugees. And so that's supposed to be the, the positive message. The message the public doesn't see is that Canada makes it very hard for refugees to enter the stream. We have officers posted at major transit centers who check papers to make sure you can't even get on an airplane if you don't have the appropriate visas. Uh, we have a situation where we made it more difficult for a group of five to sponsor refugees because for a group of five to sponsor refugees, other than the Syrians and the Iraqis under the special program, you need the United Nations High Commission for Refugees to actually designate you as a refugee first. This is private sponsorship. This is private sponsorships. And this was a change under the Harper government. Before, five people could get together and the Canadian embassy would make a decision on whether the individual could come as a refugee or in a refugee-like situation. In the Harper government, these individuals now, meaning the claimant, had to first of all get approved by the UNHCR before the private sponsorship could go ahead. So it's it's actually created a very big bottleneck in uh, refugees who want to come here. So because it's hard to get the UNHCR to well, to the UNHCR you? is is you know overworked. It has certain locations and uh, and their work you know just increased even more. So the ability of the Canadian government to freely choose refugees through private sponsorships was diminished. 
Um, and I think this was the goal of the previous government. So overall, uh, there's a very mixed message uh, that the Canadian government is sending out. We are willing to do a special program for Syrians and Iraqis uh, and others, um, but everybody else is going to be on a very slow track to come here, and uh, that's the part of the story that doesn't get uh, spoken about too much. Racism, and specifically Islamophobia, is, is one of the driving forces behind Trump's Muslim ban. Is Canada a welcoming place for Muslims? Well, it's very interesting to see the data recently. Um, first of all, I'm involved with the project, uh, the Islamophobia Hotline, and I'm one of the organizing members of it. And uh, what we're seeing uh, in a recent meeting we just had is there's a significant... All right, so unfortunately we have to stop there, but I invite you to finish the podcast if you're interested um, on rabble.ca, Canada's refugee policy must change in response to Trump's presidency. So now we have an interview